We were living at Covenant Park Bible Camp when my wife told me the news. We're pregnant. That is, she's pregnant, and, but we are going to be parents, our first child. This would be the first grandchild on Mary Lee's side, the third grandchild on my side, and everyone was excited. Doing the math, we knew that our child was going to be born in early June, and the pregnancy went well. I mean, for me, it wasn't really a problem at all. Merrily, as young mothers usually are, were radiating, just radiating. We were young, but not that young, 27, 28. We went to all of the pregnancy appointments. And again, I'm saying we, but I don't remember a lot of them. I did. We were, I, we were there together for some, and then some unexpected news at one of them just a week before the due date. We were in the doctor's office, and the doctor said, um, I think the baby's breech, head up, butt down, instead of head down and butt up. And we were going to a clinic in McGregor, Minnesota, which is a town of 400, and he thought, let's send you to Duluth, the big city, and see if we can turn the baby. So that's what we did. Tried. He says about 50-50 chance this far along in the pregnancy. So there we were in the hospital in St. Mary's in Duluth, Minnesota, four hands on my wife's belly trying to churn the baby. They didn't try too long because they didn't want to hurt mom or baby and just said it's not going to work. So what that meant is the safest um, way to go then was to do a c-section that happened in aiken minnesota and the surgeon that performed that surgery just happened to have been a boy scout of my father-in-law and my father-in-law tom thought i'm going to give this doctor a boy scout badge of of delivering my grandson <laughs> a very unique badge for him so jeremiah came out. We didn't know it was Jeremiah. We didn't find out the gender of our kids until the, the day of their birth. Um, but he came out, and his feet were by his ears. And uh, they were worried for his hips being displaced. But all was fine. Mom was doing good. Baby was doing good. Dad was doing good. Anna's entry into the world was a little less dramatic which makes me think now, perhaps this is the reason why she likes theater so much. She didn't get as much attention that Jeremiah did when she was born. It was just a little less than two years after Jeremiah was born. We were still living at Covenant Park Bible Camp that again merely comes to me saying we're pregnant. Doing the math, the second child would be born sometime at the end of July. Again, we didn't know gender of our second child until the day she was born, and our big Hope for her, for us, was to be able to do a natural birth, avoiding a C-section. Because Jeremiah was born via C-section, the practice was then to have, to pick a date sometime before Mary Lee would naturally go into labor, going into the hospital, 
and induce labor. So we arrived at the hospital in Brainerd, Minnesota, the morning of July 30, and there was three other pregnant women arriving at the same time, and we all got into the elevator. We quickly realized what was happening, and I'm not sure if I said it out loud. I think I said it. I said, do you want to race to see who can give birth first? <laughs> I actually think we won. Yeah, we did win. Way to go, Anna. <laughs> The labor and delivery went well. I felt no pain whatsoever. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Moms, you're amazing. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. When Anna was born, she, like her brother, was about 20 inches long. She, like her brother, was around 8 pounds. And she, like her brother, had a full head of hair. Yeah. Two of the most amazing, life-changing days in their mothers in my life. I love being a dad. They're here, by the way, if you had. So please meet them after service. Yeah. My kids bring me so much joy in my life. I love when they're home. The parent-child relationship sometimes can seem like the better position to be in is the parent. Maybe. But then as parents age, there's often a role reverser Will children become the caretaker. Marilee and I are entering that stage ourselves with our parents. What I have noticed, though, is no matter how the relationship goes, children never become the parent. They will always be the son or the daughter. As we start our six-week series on identity, the first identity we are going to look at is child. We are... God's child. This comes under the greater umbrella of being created. We are created by God. Each and every human being has been created by God in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. He created the, he, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In Psalm 139, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. As we explore our identity, we will also be exploring God's identity at the same time. For our identity either comes out of who God is or it comes out of what God has done. Because God is creator, we are then created. Because God is father, we are then his child. Because God has created us in his image, we are then image bearers of God. Because God's workmanship is wonderfully complex, we are marvelous works of God. Because God has uncountable number of thoughts about us, we are cherished beings. All of this to say is we are valuable. 
We are valuable because God values us. Each and every one of you has value, not because of the family that you are in, not because of what you have done, not because of what you can do, but because you are a child of God and you are valued. As children of God, then we are dependent on God. God provides for us. God protects us. God sustains us. God helps us. He comforts us. He guides us. He leads us. God is our refuge. God is our place of safety. God is the perfect parent, even if we have experienced imperfect parents during our lifetime. Seeing God as Father could be a stumbling block for some. However, that's God's identity, which means then our identity is that of child. Seeing God as Father takes on a deeper meaning and significance when a person comes to faith. There's a moment, a time in a person's life when they say yes to Jesus. They heard the story, and then they take that leap of faith, saying, yes, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you came to earth, that you lived the perfect life, that you died and rose again, taking on the sins of the world, paying the penalty of sin. And the moment that people accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are forgiven. They are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they are now in Christ. Our identity, who we are, goes beyond being a human being created by God. We are now a human being who is chosen by God with the added identity of being adopted children of God. We saw that in our Ephesians reading, and we see it here again in the Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time came, God had sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. As adopted children of God, we become secure in our family relationship with God. During the adoption process, if you've experienced that, if you've been maybe uh, parents that adopted or have family members or friends and were in a courtroom where this happened, there's a series of questions that get asked to the parents. And the questions are along the lines of, one, do you or you and your spouse have sufficient resources to be able to provide for this child or children their financial needs? And the parents would answer, yes. The second question that a member of the court would ask is, do you understand that if the court were to grant the adoption process decision today, that after today, that this child is legally yours? And as child, she or he or they, the children, will look to you for emotional support, for financial support, and for all the different kinds of support that children look for for parents. The answer is yes, I understand that. And then third, and perhaps the most important question is, are you ready? willing and able to accept that responsibility? They, of course, would say yes. I actually found a clip, we're going to try this, of what one adoption process sort of looked like for a couple and their kids. I think they all agree that this adoption ought to go forward. Yeah, they all love them. <laughs> <laughs> they all love them. Yeah, we all love them. Like, our whole family is like the best thing we've ever had. Oh, boy, that's great. I'm glad to have these people. <laughs> that's really good 
all ready to make the commitments that people make when they adopt? Yeah, I'm glad to be there. Um, so they're just really the best thing I ever had. Oh, I, just, so I can wish if I wish anything worse, I just wish that like I could just love these people for like the rest of my life. If I had any doubts, there. <laughs> Sean, I'm going to ask you first if you'll approve the adoption. I'd officially <laughs> say yes. That's good, Patrick. Do you approve? All right. Would you show us? Sometimes people become parents before they are ready, willing, and able. The adoption process is intentionally a long process in order to make sure those potential parents are all of those things. As we think about those adoption questions and turn them towards God, we can see how God can answer yes to each one. Yes, God has sufficient resources. Yes, God is able to provide all the different kinds of support that we need. And yes, God is ready, willing, and able to accept the responsibility. God chose us. We see that in Ephesians 1.4. We, like that children in the video, can take the gavel and say, Yes, I want to be adopted by God. God chose us. May we embrace our identity as adopted children of God. The idea of adoption becomes even more significant as we think about what it meant in Paul's day and age. When Paul says that we are adopted as sons, that's both in the Ephesians and the Galatians passage, he isn't excluding females, but he's doing this intentionally because it was sons who received the inheritance. And what that means then is as we come into faith, we receive an inheritance as children of God. In Paul's day, adoption not only happened for young children, for minors, but it could happen for young adults. A reason why someone would want to adopt a young adult is so that this person, if I was single and didn't have any kids, I could adopt another that to receive an inheritance and then continue on my family name. Ephesians 1.11 says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us and makes everything work out according to his plan. Adoption in Paul's day was a life-changing event. It was more common for people who lived back then to be in abject poverty than to have wealth. In today's day and age, when someone receives an inheritance, Usually that is added on to an existing sort of net worth. But in Paul's day and age, it completely changed the trajectory of their life. And just as it changed the trajectory of someone's life back then, as we think about our inheritance from God now, it changes our trajectory, both in the life here and in our eternal life. The inheritance that we receive from God first includes salvation. Second, we receive or we inherit the kingdom of God. 
Third, we inherit the earth, which is also referred to as the land. We also inherit a blessing and glory and incorruption, is how the Bible says it in these verses, that is bodies that do not corrupt, bodies that will not decay, that won't have diabetes anymore, no more. The inheritance we receive from God totally and completely changes the trajectory of our life, now and for eternity. While you may never get an inheritance from your earthly parents, do know that you receive an inheritance from your Heavenly Father, one that completely changes your life. The story of the prodigal son could also be called the story of re-embracing your identity. As the story goes, the second son of a wealthy man wants his inheritance before his father dies. And for some reason, the father agrees to do this and then gives the son, this second son, his share of the inheritance. The younger son leaves with all of his possessions and wastes his money on wild living. By the time that then that son's money runs out, there's a famine in the land, and Jesus tells us that the son began to starve. Out of desperation, the son goes to a local farmer pleading to be hired. The farmer hires him and gives him the job of feeding the pigs. And as he is feeding the pigs, he is so hungry that the pods that the pigs are being fed look good to the son. And then we read this in verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. The son lost his identity. He lost his identity. He no longer saw himself as his father's child. And he was just hoping that he can come back as a servant. What we see, though, is a father who doesn't, he does not allow his son to lose his identity. The son comes back home and says, I'm no longer to be called your son, forgive me. And then we read this in verse 22. But his father said to the servants, Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but he is now found. So the party began. The finest robe, a ring on the finger and sandals on the feet, all deepened the identity of the child being the son's, the father's son, being a child of the father. The father says to his son, you are my child, even at the lowest moments of life. Sometimes if we look at, if if we're just looking at our circumstances, if we're just looking at our choices, we can lose our identity. The father creates our identity for us, and that identity can never be taken from us by anybody, including ourselves. God loves being a father. He loves it. And sometimes we get a glimpse of our heavenly father through our earthly fathers. And we're going to play another video 
I thought one or the other, and then I thought, well, we're going to do both. Because <laughs> this also captures this thought. A glimpse of our Heavenly Father through an earthly father. Thank you. <clears throat> Good morning, sir. Good morning, Judge. Mr. Kowawa, you are charged with a school zone violation. Beg pardon? You are charged with a school zone violation. Right which means that you were exceeding the speed limit in a school zone. I don't drive that fast, Judge. I'm 96 years old and I drive slowly and I only drive when I have to. I was going to the blood work for my boy. He's handicapped. You were taking your son to the doctor's office? Yeah, I take him for blood work mm -hmm. every two weeks because he's got cancer. A good man. You are a good man. You are you, you really are what America is all about. Here you are in your 90s and you're still taking care of your family. That, that's just a wonderful thing for you. Well, how old is your son? 63. Yeah. And you still daddy's still taking care of him, right? <laughs> I only drive when I have to. Listen, sir, I wish you all the best. I wish the best for your son, and I wish you good health, and your case is dismissed. Good luck to you, and God bless you. Thank you. The judge says, Daddy's still taking care of his son. And he says, yeah. This is just a glimpse a human glimpse of what it means to be a child of God. The Heavenly Father is our Daddy. The term we see Jesus use is Abba. We can cry out, Abba, which means Daddy, to God our Father, and God hears us. God takes care of us. We have been created in the image of God. We are a child of God. And as we come to faith, we deepen our identity as we are now in Christ. We've been chosen by God and become adopted children who will receive an inheritance. And while I love being a parent, perhaps the only thing better is to be a child, for us to be a child of God. May you embrace that identity today and this week. Amen. Heavenly Father. We thank you for who you are, for your love, for your care, that you came to earth through your son Jesus. We are also your children, and we can see you as that daddy of ours. <laughs> Help us to embrace this identity of being your child, we pray. Amen.